Good morning. Uh, I was going to uh, tell a bad joke in honor of Josh not being here, but uh, I wanted to give him something. He can't beat me in disc golf. He can't, so... Of course, he's better than me today. He's in. He's on vacation, I think, sitting on a beach somewhere. But uh, it's good to be here. Um, I think we've got several that are out on trips. Uh, I think the person I'm most envious of is uh, Pat Norma because they went to a Cubs and Cardinals game at Wrigley Field this weekend. Uh, so that's uh, – but uh, we're going to dive into the word this morning and uh, – to get started, we're going to take a few minutes just considering this question. Uh, what are the measurements of success for a church within our culture here in America? Don't everybody. Finances. I'm going to put beside that because, like, one of the things that come to my mind is buildings. I think that kind of goes in the same. I mean, we got a big building where uh, I had this, events. Um, I had a couple more because uh, for some reason this is a conversation at least in the church world all the time music and, uh, and I guess you could probably put this with events but entertaining any others I don't, I don't think any of these things are bad things. Um, I, I think God can use all of this, uh, but I think there's a better question than uh, the, when it comes to talking about what the success of a church is uh, in our culture, anywhere in the world is are those the most effective things when it comes to uh, what God is doing in a city, when it comes to uh, the church? And we've been talking over the last couple of weeks of, uh, you know, what it looks like for our faith to become the catalyst uh, within, our, uh, within our city. We talked uh, last week about how God can use us in spite of us because uh, we, we've been talking about the nation of Israel and if you read the Old Testament, the nation of Israel is like this, like all the way through. Um, like the minute you think they're going to have this, imp- they've got this impressive faith or the, the, a big event happens and you think, how in the world could they ever turn from God after God did that? And... uh then they're right back down in the well they, they they don't they don't trust God they're complaining they're whining about their situation um, but we also talked a little bit last week about how important 
authenticity is to, to the impact of a church uh, within a city. And uh, Josh shared a little bit. I, he got a little personal uh, with this, and I, I, t- I texted him afterwards. I said, man, I really, I really appreciate that um, because, um, of course, my, mine and Josh's dur- journey right now is a lot is the same. I, I'll be honest with you. There's been moments here lately where it's just like, I don't know. Like, like I shared at our house here a few weeks ago, like just opening the Bible and reading it to me sometimes is just like, I read it and it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. There's no, and uh, it's just this constant struggle. And I come out of a culture of where everything about my life has been revolved around the church for for so long and I could sit here and probably tell you a lot of stories that would make the church look like bad, like things that, in, in essence, I probably burned out. And really the problem wasn't probably the church. It was probably more me than it was the church. But God's used that to kind of form and shape what he's called me and my family to do. And uh, I, me and Josh were talking, and i be honest with you, all the stuff that the church does to kind of garner or attract people has kind of lost its, for me, it's lost its luster. It's like, I don't really think I need all of that to follow Jesus. I don't, and I'll be honest with you, I think our culture is kind of sees all that and saying, like, you know, it's just the church doing what the church does. And I, I really think a lot of that has to do with our churches become inundated with our culture where we feel like we have to do something to draw people uh, to us. We, we've adapted that that mentality of, hey, we can advertise, we can throw this big event, a bunch of people show up, and then God will do with that what God can do with that. And then if God doesn't do something, it's like, you know, we just move on to the next big thing, uh, but I, I think it's good, just like in any, I think, any other field of business or whatever it is you're doing, I think it's good to revisit our purpose and kind of reassess what it means to be in our city for the purpose of ex- talking about Jesus, expanding the message of the gospel and the kingdom of God. And uh, today we're going to take a quick look into a very popular Old Testament story as we de- continue discussing our faith being a catalyst for what God is doing in our city. We're going to read Hebrews 11, um, 30. It says, It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. Uh, and just kind of before we turn to the book of Joshua, I want to kind of just kind of get us to the point of where the nation of Israel is. Because let's, let's remember, last week we are talking about the nation of Israel and Moses leading uh, the people out of Egypt, and, and they're whining and they're complaining the entire way. Why have you brought us out here to, to die? They said that several times. And, and then you would think, like we ended, we talked about how they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They're standing on the other side. The Egyptian army's bodies is floating up to, to the shore, and God has once again delivered the nation of Israel. And you would think, uh, to me, this is one of those moments you think, okay, 
that this has happened, the nation of Israel is going to take and go from this point, and this incredible faith is going to develop within the nation of Israel. I mean, that, I don't know about you, but significant life moments tend to change or shift the direction of my life. Um, couple of things that for me, like, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not doing good. I guess I'm a, we're, we're a lot like the nation of Israel. A significant event happens. Um, a few years ago, I got really, I, I, I was sitting at church studying and doing all that stuff, and I just got the feeling like really, really bad. And uh, not sparing any, de- I'll spare the details, but I ended up in the emergency room. So I didn't know what was wrong. So I knew something major was wrong. And uh, got to the hospital and sat there for I don't know how long. But uh, they come back, and the last thing in the world I expected, hey, your blood sugar is like, I don't remember. I think it was in the 200s, maybe low 300s. I found out I was more than likely a type 2 diabetic. Immediately, um, I, I changed direction on some things, dropped like 40 or 50 pounds. Well, guess what? I put all 40 or 50 pounds back on. Um, somebody passes away, we will make the decision, hey, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to spend more time with family. We're going to be more intentional. Significant life events happen. We normally tend to shift direction. Um, and you would think, hey, we've crossed the Red Sea. We're out of Egypt. They're no longer a problem. Man, let's do something. Well, guess what? In typical nation of Israel fashion, we move up to where we're at today and uh, kind of leading up to this point, Joshua is now the leader of Israel in the story we're talking about today. But leading up to that, Moses sends 10 spies up, in, up on top of the hill to look over the Jordan Valley and to look at what stood between them and the promised land. And they get up there, they look, and they see all these big fortified cities. They see what they call giants. And two of the ten people come back and report to Moses, hey, we can, we can do this. We can, we can storm into the city. We can overcome these people, and we can lay claim to what God has promised. I mean, they just this just happened, this big monumental moment. And then all of a sudden, eight of ten people are like, yeah, we're, God can't do this. I mean, we may cross the Red Sea, but God can't beat those people. God can't get us past those cities. And uh, so what, is, what happens to the nation of Israel? For 40 years, they wander around in the big circles in the wilderness. All because they all of a sudden believed this God that allowed them to walk across the sea on dry ground couldn't deliver them from some people. You know, we, we tend to look back. I don't know about you. We kind of tend to look back and like, man, those people are like, what's wrong with them? God just did something incredible. I don't know, but I do this. Maybe I, I'm sure most of us do. God, God did something incredible. I think I'm going to believe that God. the next time something happens, God can, can handle it. But I think a lot of times we are the same uh, way. And, of course, Joshua was one of the two that believed that God could deliver them to the promised land. And uh, we come to the, uh, Joshua chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. 
No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and people can charge straight into the town. Yeah. I find it uh, interesting. Of course, at this point, Joshua is now the leader of Israel, and there's a little bit of a, a surge of excitement and momentum for the nation of Israel. Uh, but I find it interesting that even throughout the history of Israel, there's been this up and down roller coaster of how their faith has uh, responded to what God has done. And then you see nations like Jericho, Jericho a city of strong warriors, a fortified city, um, is scared of a few hundred people, um, scared to death. Like they don't, they like they they don't want nothing to do with the nation of Israel. And then you have this. I don't know about you, but it seems like a fairly odd plan to defeat a city. Let's just go walk around for a few days. Um, and and I don't think the faith is is in the whole um, what's going to happen. I think the faith is demonstrated in what in the obedience to what God is telling them to do. Because it, I mean, it's unusual. We're just going to walk around the city for seven days, and on the seventh day, we're going to walk around the city seven times instead of one. Um, Kind of, I kind of wonder at times what I and and the text doesn't give us this, but I kind of wonder what the people inside of Jericho were thinking, as the nation of Israel's walking around the city every day. Like they're scared. We know they're scared from the text, um, but at some point you kind of wonder: Does it not slip in? Are these people crazy? Maybe that made them more scared. I don't know. Um, but I think the significance of this, and we're going to go on reading, and, but is just that consistent obedience for those days to walk around the city of uh, Jericho. And it goes on to say in verse 8 or verse 6, So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched. 
both in front of the priest with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn, marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Um, Considering the history of the nation of Israel and the problems they had with following leadership, I think it's pretty significant that all of the sudden they decide to, hey, we're gonna we're 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 gonna walk around this town for seven days. I mean, like, I mean, like everything about the history of the nation of Israel is very inconsistent. And I got, I got to thinking about that, and I, I want to ask this question. I, t- I told you to move from the whiteboard. I'm going to ask another question. Um, as we consider our role as followers of Jesus within our city, because we talked about authenticity, I want to talk about these two words today. What does consistent obedience to Jesus, the kingdom of God, and the gospel look like in our city? Because I think we got a fairly significant event here in the nation of Israel where there's this, this consistent obedience to what God's calling them to do. Like there's, there's, with, with Joshua at the helm, there's this season of obedience for the nation of Israel that goes beyond just Jericho. With, with Joshua at the helm, they're, they're finally going to obtain the promised land. The nation of Israel, after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, after whining and complaining, God, why have you did this? Constantly disobeying God, there's this season of life in the nation of Israel where they're consistently obedient, and God delivers the promise. So what does it look like for us to be consistently obedient to Jesus? We, we, we talked about some of the measurements of what we consider success in the church today. Finances, big buildings, events, entertainment, um, all of these things. And I think it would be easy to naturally go, hey, if we're doing all of those things, we're being consistently obedient. But I, I think those are just, all that stuff's just seasoning. It's just things we're doing to attract People, I think, I think there's a more consistent way to be obedient to the calling that God has placed on our life. That maybe in our culture, in the city of Benton, where there's hundreds of churches in our county, 
that maybe it's not having a big building. Maybe it's not hosting big events. There's small things that we can be consistently obedient in that's kind of like just walking around the city once a day for seven days that kind of begins to allow God to do something, for God to move, that makes an impact. So what are, what are some ways that we can be consistently obedient to Jesus? So daily discipline, starting with Jesus. Yeah, I think I think I think no matter how you go about following Jesus, whether it's the big buildings or the finances, the numbers, if you don't have this, it's it's pretty pretty difficult. Um, We probably could put a bunch of things under this, but I think community is uh, pretty substantial. And, and, and maybe maybe this is where we break it down a little bit. I'm going I'm I'm going to throw something out there because this this is me and Allie have become really close friends with uh, uh, Chad and Lindsay, and, and it's I'll, I, I've mentioned this before, but it started with. Uh, it started with disc golf, because I met Chad at a, at a Super Bowl party at the shop, but we didn't really connect that night. Uh, he ended up coming to church. We started playing disc golf, and now we're, like, really good friends. Uh, another instance, and, and this is kind of a, just a, a little bit different, um, we'd been coming here for a while. I have known Sam, known who Sam is, but I think I've talked to more Sam in the, this year, just some, it ha, and it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm old Sam Jordan. But that's a way that kind of has opened the door uh, to where me and Sam talk more than we did prior to that with us being here. Uh, so I'll put that down. I, and I think we see a lot of people come in here um, because of connections that Josh and Shelly have through, through their business and involvement in uh, the community. What are some other ways that we can be consistently obedient to Jesus, the kingdom of God? Saying my friends that I have are bad or anything. 
surround yourself with more Christian-like people, I guess. So. What are some others? Yeah, that kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, and I, I think, I think, I think our world longs for this even more nowadays. Is I don't know that people really they want to be real, but then at the same time, it's like we get out in public, and the last thing we 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 hide our we hide this. Especially, I, I think it's worse in our culture, this very church culture where we seem to be very protective of who we really are. Um, like, the pla- the one place in our culture where we ought to be able to be real at seems to be the most difficult place to be real, to be honest, to be, hey, I, I struggle with this. This this is who I am. And, 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 and when we ought to find an authentic response, and this has been my experience over the last few years, and this is why I don't know that I want to go back to the way I did church for over 30 years of my life, is because I went through a season of life where I had some dark struggles I I I had, I had ne- at one point in my life I never I like people that struggled with depression I could not even relate with like I, I just didn't and I think a lot of it was because of the environment that I had been raised up in for so much of my life especially in ministry was everything I was doing was so celebrated that I just never felt bad and then all of a sudden I walked through this season of life where I just like I remember one night we were going somewhere in the car and I, I'm like crying and I could not give a reason why. Like everything about my life looked really good. But on the inside, I was, I was destroyed. I didn't have, there was no hope inside of me, even though everything in my life looked good. And, and when I started talking about that, the people that I thought would love me just just kind of like just kind of left me hanging there like and and as much as these two as this is the probably the most important thing for us in following Jesus when, and, and I'm in this I've been in this stage of life for a little bit here recently is like yeah I do those things and it's like I think you've talked about this a little bit, Chad, is you go talk to somebody. I think you were searching for answers and talked about talking to pastors, and they just tell you to pray and read your Bible. Yeah. I'm like, 
you know, I used to be that guy. I used to be the guy. Well, just, you just need to pray. You need to have faith. You need to read your Bible. You shouldn't be thinking those questions in the first place. And, uh, and I think we talked about a little bit about this last week with Josh. Is we have this idea. We have this idea of what we think faith is. And uh, it's really faith. We kind of give it this big mystical ideal when really it's, as we talked about last week, faith is, is really when we find the ability to be authentic, be honest, to live amongst a group of people in such a way that we can, we can just be who we are. And I, and I think in our culture right here in our city, sometimes that takes people, especially in the church world, kind of blows their mind that uh, not necessarily, and I think it's people outside the church. Um, like for me, they're like, you're a preacher? Really? Yeah, that's what I've done for most of my life. Uh because we've built up this fake image of what church and what people should look like if they go to church. And then I think there's this extreme, like we live in a instantly, we, we live in a society that wants to be instantly gratified. Like if we see we want, we want, we want it right then. Uh, some people call it a microfi- microwave society where we want, we want what we want and we want to be able to put it in the microwave and have it in two or three minutes. Um, and things like what we read here today in Joshua chapter 6 are kind of like, hold on, i got to walk around this town for, like, God, you could destroy the city. Why not just destroy it right now? And, and really, if we're honest with ourselves, that's how the nation of his, Israel has been up to this point. It's like, okay, God, you, you said you can do this. Just do it. And I think we tend to be, like, we kind of play faith out to be this thing where, okay, I've got the faith, God. Make it happen. Faith doesn't really work that way. And and that's why we're going to talk today about consistent obedience. Because I think faith in... If we're honest with ourselves in the world world, faith revolves a lot around us being consistently I'm just gonna It revolves around us being consistently obedient. It's, I think I think faith a lot of times and I and I, I'll be honest with you at this season of my life I'm struggling with this like because I I open my Bible and I want to read it and it's just like, I don't know, man. Uh, and, and, and there's there's mornings I wake up and I don't want to come up here on Sunday morning. I just want to stay at home. Um, there's times when I come home from work in the week and I just want to lay down. I don't want to... I, don't, I, don't wanna, I mean, it's... it's Maybe I may, maybe nobody else feels that way, but I mean it's just like I, th- I I think I struggle with this because we live in a society that when we want something we want it right now. 
But I don't think God works that way most of the time. Yeah, I think there's been times throughout history that God does something big. But I think, and I think that in our culture, a lot of times we're reaching for that next big thing that's going to make a lasting impact. And that's, that's, what, that's what we look for. We want, we want to see that next big thing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to see another 9-11 where things change for a little while. I would much rather, and I, again, I'm struggling with this, is how can we be consistently obedient in everyday stuff of life that eventually I believe God does something that brings lasting change. That impacts a nation. That impacts history. Frederick Nitschke says this, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. A long obedience in the same direction. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's just... like You hear like successful people in our world today talk about doing the same thing every day consistently until you get the results. I think that's a biblical principle. Like, and we live in a society where people, man, they're here one day, they're there the next day, and they just don't consistently do the same things over and over. And then they, they step back and look and wonder, God, why haven't you done this? Why hasn't this happened? Why, why is my family like this? Why is my job like this? Uh, when we haven't been consistently obedient to the necessary task day in and day out. Why? Because they're kind of mundane. It's kind of like walking around a city seven days in a row. Like, okay, God, when you, you said you're going to do this. When's it going to happen? I think that... And this, this changed my life and my ministry is me and my wife were doing things. We decided to do something outside of the church, um, which is eventually the reason why we left the church we were at. Um, yeah, I'm not an artist. I'm not going to try to draw it. But I'll be honest with you. I fell in love with a table, and this is why. Because God, we started inviting people into our lives that weren't a part of our church, that weren't going to church. Um, we started doing things that, I'll just be honest with you, a lot of people in our church world, were kind of, they kind of frowned upon it. Um, and it happened around a table. And I, I look at the Gospels, and I see Jesus sitting down at people's table a whole lot. And I remember, I remember for the first time in my life, even after doing ministry in churches for 20 years, all of a sudden God was doing something. I'm like, oh my goodness, God's here. And like I had grown up in a mentality where I expected God to be in the pews at the big church 
that did the big events, that had all of these things that aren't bad things. Does God show up in those things? Absolutely, I believe he does. But I begin to see that maybe there's a more effective way to be the church consistently and obediently within our city that actually impacts people um, for eternity. And the eye-opening experience was we had invested about two years in one girl's life and had actually moved away from Bismarck. We weren't even living down there anymore. Um, and all of a sudden, I think Allie and her had kept in touch. She wants to come to church. She's moved back from Arkadelphia to Benton. And we're sitting in church at Holland Chapel one Sunday morning. We're taking a, We're doing communion that Sunday morning, and I'm... I'm, we're praying. I got my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, there's a tap on my shoulder. And like, she's like, "I need to, I need to place my faith and trust in Jesus." And it was like, this was a girl that we hadn't gone to church with. We had invited them to the church we're a part of. They come a lot of times if I was speaking because of our relationship. But outside of that, everything that happened in our life with this group of people had happened away from the church and had happened around a table or over dinner or something like that and we move away the relationship continues and all of a sudden I'm sitting in church nothing to do churches had nothing to do until that that time and I didn't at that time I didn't have to share the gospel with her the gospel had been being proclaimed for a couple years. And she placed her faith in Jesus. I baptized her like a week or two later or short time after that. And it's like, wow. What can God do if we're consistently obedient to his plan and his purpose in our lives within our city? As we talk about this idea of being a church that's for the city, what can he do if we're consistently obedient, even in the mundane things of life? We've talked a little bit. There's a lot of cool things that happen, are happening right here in the city of Benton right now. I, I can recall driving through downtown, and there'd be, I mean, the highlight of the year was Spook City and the Christmas lights. There wasn't an ice cream place that is literally, I think, Every hour that they're open, there's somebody in there at just ice cream. Uh, Baja Grill and Valhalla, all that stuff that's going on downtown that is bringing people to our city. I think there's a unique opportunity for a church to just be authentically and consistently obedient to what God's called us to do. And we don't have to throw a bunch of big events. That's one reason why we promote Third Third. Thursday, it's not a it's not a big event that City Church puts on. It's just something our city does and gives us the opportunity to be authentic, consistently obedient to what God's called us to do in our city. And I think that's what I think that's what our city needs. Is in the mundane things of life being consistently obedient to Jesus. Because I believe in our culture, especially in this part of the world, there's been a wall built up between the church and those outside the church. 
Because those outside the church think the church does this, and the church thinks that those outside the church do this, and they don't want to. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my grandma, a uh, lifetime member of First Pentecost Church, I used to always call it Six Flags Over Jesus. I mean, you go in there, there's marble everything. The pastor gets a new Jaguar every year. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's her thing. And I always felt like an outsider every time I went in there on Mother's Day and Easter. And, I mean, just, it felt like, not a cult, per se, but you walk in there, and it's, like, eyes on you, like you've been judged automatically. And, I mean, I think y'all have a good concept here. I don't think y'all should, you know, do keeping up with the Joneses and stuff like that. Keep it how it is. You know what I mean? Because we are not of works, and I believe you're going to reach more people doing what you're doing now than trying other stuff. Exactly. So just genuine. It honestly is. This is more like a family, and that's why I think it's more comfortable. And and I think that if we're going to tear down the walls in our culture, it's not going to be because we do anything special. It's because I'm being me, y'all are being you, we love one another, we love our city, we love being here, and we know that Jesus loves our city. Jesus cares about the people that are in church, he cares about the people that are outside of the church, and I believe Jesus cares about bringing those two together. I believe there's a gap to be bridged, and I don't think it's going to happen through big events. It's going to happen through, and it's probably not going to happen right here on Sunday mornings. Uh, yeah, I, 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 this is special. But I think it's going to happen as we live our lives out there and people see us being authentic and consistently obedient to God's plan. That those walls will eventually begin to tumble down. That will be like that Sunday morning sitting at church, her tapping on my shoulder and saying, Man, I, I need to place my faith in Jesus. And I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle, I struggle right now sometimes being consistently obedient. Whether it's because I'm tired or busy or what, being consistently obedient. Present in people's lives. Sitting around the table, having a meal together and allowing conversation to flow, allowing Jesus to be present. Um, we don't have to have an event that draws hundreds or thousands of people for Jesus to be there. I mean, he, he talks about in the scripture that um, where two or three are gathered together, he will be, he'll be present. I think that can happen authentically by just being present in each other's lives. I wanted to read one small last part of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It won't be on the screen because be honest with you, it just kind of come back to me as I, from reading the text this week, but Hebrews chapter 11, and I won't expound much because I don't want to steal any of what maybe Josh has got here in the next week or two, but verse 39 and verse 40 of Hebrews 11 say this, 
talking about all these people in Hebrews 11 that exhibited faith, says this, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Now at this point, he's talking about heaven. Um, but, I, but I love what he says. All these per- people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Because of their faith. I, I think if City Church is going to be a cha- church with a good reputation in our city, it's going to be because we're consistently obedient and we're authentic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in my faith right now. I'll be honest with you, reading my Bible and praying is, seems really tough right now. Twenty twenty one has been a hard year for me and my family. Following Jesus is really hard right now. But I also look at my life and I look at all that God's done. And there's a lot of evidence that God's worked in my life. And I, I'll be honest with you, that, that is what's keeping me holding on right now. It's not what's happening in my life right now, because right now it doesn't seem like a whole lot is happening. But it's looking back and seeing that things that God has done in my past when my faith has been strong. It says God's good. And that... While this season, I may not be seeing the evidence, I believe that at some point, at some point, I just keep believing that at some point, that evidence is going to start showing back up. That if I just keep walking around the city, <laughs> that if I, keep, if, I, if I can somehow get to this place where I'm consistently obedient in all the things God has for my life, the walls are going to come tumbling down. I'm no longer going to have to say, hey, I feel like I'm getting, I'm crossing the hump, and then something happens and I fall right back. No, one of these days, I'm going to get to the top, and it's going to, it's going to break over. The floodgates are going to open. God's going to do something. And I think if we're consistently obedient and authentic living within our city here in Benton, Arkansas, that, that, that eventually something's going to happen. Maybe for some of you it's happening right now, but eventually something's going to happen. People are going to notice Jesus is going to be followed. People will place their faith in Jesus. Because I believe God's, something got, God's got something even better in mind for us. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to have Tyler come and lead us in a time of worship.